You are listening to an audio sermon from Fort William Baptist Church. Thanks for joining with us today. This year, we have begun a new series titled, Your Kingdom Come, based on the Old Testament book of 1st and 2nd Samuel. This is a book that calls us to action. The text prods and pokes us with this great question, will you submit your life to the Son of God? It's a call to humble ourselves before this King and trust in Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at www.fortwilliambaptistchurch.com. Thanks for joining with us today. Thank you, Howard, and it is great to be with the Fort William Church family. Thank you so much for the privilege that I have to be here as Regional Director of Feb Central. And um, I also want to say thank you to Brad and the elders for the opportunity to open God's Word and share that with you uh, in a couple of moments. But if you don't mind, I just want to chat a little bit uh, about Feb Central. First of all, I want to officially welcome you to Feb Central and to the fellowship, a national fellowship of churches coast to coast, uh, over 500 churches from uh, British Columbia through to the, the Maritimes, and you are now part of that fellowship of churches. For those of you that may not know a lot about that, um, uh, just about the fellowship, uh, you folks started, uh, your leaders began a formal process with us toward affiliation earlier this year, and I know some of you may be aware we're at that meeting when Jack Fleestra, who is our district shepherd, came, and just last week our our uh, director of church health came, and there was uh, your church was a part of a church recognition process. And I'm kind of here officially. I get the good job to welcome you into the fellowship and uh, just tell you a little bit about us. So yeah, thank you. I like that. There's excitement. You're happy about that. That's good news. Um, and we're thrilled. We are thrilled to have you part of us. Just so that you know, there are five regions, kind of like provinces that are part of the National Fellowship. So we have Fellowship Pacific, Fellowship Prairies, we have ABEC, which is our Quebec region, we have Fellowship Atlantic, and Feb Central is our central region, if you will. It's made up of almost 290 churches in Ontario, and then English-speaking churches, Anglophone churches in Quebec. And so we have over 1 million square kilometers of region to cover, and we have a very small team at Feb Central Ministries to do that. And so you're, you're part of that Feb Central region community, and uh, we're thrilled again to have you. And our focus uh, at Feb Central Ministries, our office, is to serve the local church, to help them to thrive on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do that through three central values. We come alongside our churches and help them plant churches. We come alongside our churches and do leadership development. And then we come alongside our churches for church health. And so we do those three things. So just to, to see what you're going to be a part of, uh, over the last two years of COVID, we have been able, Feb Central, with, in partnership with our churches, to plant 13 new churches. Isn't that great? Under COVID, that is, uh, I am so thrilled about that. 13 new churches under COVID in partnership with our churches. And then we have another eight churches in launch position. They're getting in different stages of launching. And uh, so we're so excited about our church planning movement. You're now part of that. You're praying for that. You're partnering with that financially, all of those things. And we are thrilled to have you a uh, part of that. So 
so focus, one of our focuses is church health. And so I thought we would focus on church health this morning as I come to open God's Word. So I'm going to invite you to turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, if you would. In a few moments, we'll read these verses, but uh, I just want to introduce our sermon to you this morning. I'm calling this uh, The Signs of a Healthy Church. And, uh, and I have this question for you this morning. What does it look like to be a flourishing, healthy church to God's glory? That's a great question to ask. Or to put it another way, what are the signs of a healthy church? You know, under COVID, our ideas of what make uh, a good or a great church for that matter have been deeply challenged. We haven't been able to use our church buildings the way we normally would. Uh, a lot of programming and, and uh, some of our, our things that we would normally do have been sort of impacted and curtailed, if you will. Even our preaching and worship has been altered to kind of, you know, space limits and all that simplified and, and you know, technology and videotape. All these things have been impacted. Uh, even the way we just run our churches and make decisions. Our structures, our forms, our methods have all been impacted through COVID. Is it possible for the church to thrive without depending on any of these methods and tools, structures that we've been so used to? And of course, the answer is yes. In fact, the early church had none of the practical resources that I have just talked about. None of them. No buildings, no program structures, even their leadership was, wasn't, you know, really developed in that, at that particular juncture. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against buildings. I'm not against forms or methods or structures or any of these things. <laughs> I would say they're gifts from God. What I am suggesting to you is that according to the Bible, they're not indispensable. The unmistakable evidence that the early church was thriving, was flourishing, was the presence and the power of the living Christ among them. Transforming lives from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone has said that the church is not merely an enterprise for Christ, but an experience of Jesus Christ. It is all about the Spirit of Christ working in us and then through us so that we are witnesses to our world of the beauty and the treasure of all that Jesus is. And the early church understood that. And the early church was certainly not apathetic or distracted about their mission. They had this clear focus of glorifying God by sharing the good news of Jesus with their world. In fact, this small group of believers were actually accused in the book of Acts of turning the world upside down through their witness for Jesus Christ. They were world troublemakers, they were described in Acts chapter 17. Think about that. Lacking almost every single advantage and resource that we enjoy today, they were identified as world changers. How did that happen? What did that look like? Well, I believe God gives us a little snapshot of what that looks like 
in the passage that we're about to study together this morning. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. So I'm going to invite you to please stand, if you would, as we read God's Word. And you can follow along as I read from the English Standard Version. I'm going to be reading verses 42 to 47. And then we'll pray. So then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple court together, temple together, And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And listen to this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Wouldn't that have been something? It wasn't just the birth of the church that we're going to see here, but literally the first revival and the Spirit of God is working in and through these people. And literally every single day, people were coming to know Jesus. It's incredible. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you that the Holy Spirit is really our teacher today. And so we would ask that we would just humble ourselves You say that you give grace to the humble. And so, Lord, we want to see you more clearly. We want to savor you more deeply. We want to share you with others. And so we pray that you would speak in ways that only you can and shape our hearts and our lives right out to the way we act and think and our attitudes. And so we ask that you would be glorified and honored. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And of course, every text of the Bible has a um, context, and this passage has a context. The the gift of the Holy Spirit had been given at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. You remember this, and Peter had just preached a message focused on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, and literally thousands, uh, thousands repented and believed in Jesus Christ, and the infant church was born We know this. Look at verse 41, and it says, So those who received his word, the word of the gospel, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people, men, women, children, came to know Jesus Christ. A new movement of God, the work of God's Spirit had started. What made it so unique, so impactful? I think it can be summed up in one phrase, And that is the presence and the power of the living God. The spirit of Christ's transforming presence and power created this new community of people that were hungry, hungry and passionate to live for Jesus Christ and to point to Jesus Christ. And this passage really shows us what that looks like for us. And I would suggest to you, it's not just identifying the characteristics that mark a church that is thriving and healthy, but it's showing us, if you will, the means, the, the things by which we commit ourselves that we see this health produced 
among us. So let's look at these, each one of them. There's four things we're going to highlight here. The first is this. It looks like being committed to God's voice above all others. Notice the text says, and they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. In the sheer mass of voices shouting out at them, their culture and their world, the early church wanted more than anything else to listen to and to obey God's voice. This term, apostles' teaching, uh, basically included the passing on of all that Jesus taught them, as well as the teaching attached to the mission and life of the church as taught by the apostles, and hence the apostles' teaching or doctrine. Remember that Jesus had promised the apostles that the Spirit would guide them into all truth and he would bring glory to himself, John chapter 16. And that's exactly what was happening. And the result of that, of course, is the the, the body of truth we now call the New Testament. And then, of course, the New Testament acknowledges the authority of the Old Testament as well. The verb here, translated devoted, is a a strong word. It has this idea of continual, single-minded faithfulness to a particular task. The way I'd like to describe it to you this morning so you can remember it is to give yourself to something with priority and passion. With priority and passion. They were devoted so faithfully loyal, committed. It was at the top of their priorities, and they did it passionately. It wasn't about checking a box. It wasn't simply about going through the motions. It was literally about encountering the living God through his word, through his voice, as revealed through his word. They didn't want to just know about God. They wanted to know God. They wanted to experience the presence and the power of God in their lives through his word. You see it? Jesus, you remember, taught, we humans can't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember that? God's word is is more important than even our physical sustenance today than any physical food, to know God, to have his life active in ours, creating us, making us into what he created us to be through his word. Jesus was saying that the Bible is this essential spiritual food from God, and we can't live with him and know him and be what we are supposed to be without his word. Of course, many other images are used in the Bible to describe the Bible. It's a spiritual weapon to fight with, the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 6. It's a a light, a lamp to guide us. It's a medicine to heal us. I could go on and on. We need the Scriptures like we need air to breathe, like we need food and water to live physically. Why? Why is that? Why? Why? Because the Word of God is the primary tool by which God imparts His presence and His power to us and shapes the likeness of His Son in our lives. Just as He spoke and He created the material universe out of nothing, so He continues to speak through His Word by His Spirit to shape His very life where there is death. 
to bring to life, and then to shape them into the likeness of his son. Do you see it? It's so essential. Howard Hendricks, who is a prophet, Dallas Theological Seminary, is now with the Lord. He wrote a book called Living by the Book, and in the very first chapter of that book, he starts that chapter, that first chapter with these words, his own testimony. He says, shortly after I became a Christian, someone wrote in the flyleaf of my Bible these words. This Bible or this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And he goes on to say that was true then and it's still true today. Dusty Bibles always lead to dirty lives. In fact, he says, you are either in the Word and the Word is conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ or you are in the world and the world is squeezing you into its mold. What a great image. What's he saying? He's saying you're being bombarded with voices all the time. Media and teachers and, you know, radio, this, that, and the other thing. Friends, parents, you name it. And those voices are shaping your life. But the most important voice of all is God's voice. It should be dominant above all the others through which you are filtering and understanding and seeing what is good and not good in all those other voices. It's his truth. His word is the critical voice to shape your life. You know, most of us have more Bibles, isn't it true, than we could possibly read. And yet it's easy to take that for granted and not to come to God's word with priority and passion. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I just don't, I don't want to just know about you. There's a true story Robert Sumner tells of a man in Kansas City who was severely injured in an explosion. And in this explosion, sadly, he lost his eyesight as well as both of his hands. Eyesight and hands. And he was just a new Christian. And one of his greatest disappointments was that he could no longer read his Bible, study his Bible. And then he heard about a lady in England who read Braille with her lips. And hoping to do the same, he sent for some books of the Bible in Braille, but he soon discovered that the nerve endings in his lips had been so damaged by the explosion, he couldn't do that either. And then one day, as he brought one of those Braille pages to his lips, his tongue touch the braille. A few of those raised characters and he could feel them. And like a flash, he thought, I, I can read the Bible using my tongue. And at the time that Robert Sumner wrote about that story, this man had read through the entire Bible four times. Would you say that was priority and passion? <laughs> I would. This man wanted to know God. God, I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you through your voice, through your truth. When I am going to pray for you in the future, I will pray this 
as a church family. On this Lord's Day, may God give you a renewed passion and priority personally together to pursue this greater experience of his presence and his power through his word. Do you see it? There's a second characteristic. So it looks like being committed to God's voice above all the others, but it also looks like being committed to a Christ-like love for one another. Look again at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. And then it goes on on to uh, speak in verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. I want you to notice just such an obvious oneness, community, care that marked these early believers. They knew what it was to have genuine fellowship in Jesus Christ, to show and to savor and to share the incarnated love of God in Jesus Christ with one another. They looked to the needs of others rather than just their own needs. They spent quantity and quality time with one another. They ate together in friendship and even liquidated their assets to make sure everyone had their needs met. It's unbelievable. It's shocking. This is not natural. This is supernatural. Now, I think we've bemoaned through COVID, you know, sometimes the the, the inability for us to come weekly and really engage in fellowship. I want you to notice they were doing this every single day. They were doing this. This was a daily experience. That's how passionate and full of priority it was to them, was to have this kind of profound fellowship together. Now, some have suggested that the early church practiced a kind of communism or Christian communism or common ownership here by this, uh, the statements here. But that actually, I don't think, is accurate. If you look closely, they still possess their private property, their homes. Uh, in fact, it mentions they were meeting in their homes. So there was no sort of external pressure by the church to take a vow of poverty, to sell everything and to bring it to the church, that really wasn't it. In fact, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, that story will will help us see that's not the case. This was just an overwhelmingly generous spirit, an eternal perspective where God's people understood what it it means to, to, to truly love as God had loved them. They were sharing that love with one another. And no program can create this. No structure can create this. You can't have a teaching session and walk out and make this happen. You can't go, here are the five steps to make this happen. This is a work of God from the heart. And God's love was working in them and then through them. This happens when God manifests his presence and his power. This happens when Christians passionately pursue being like their Savior who told them, they will know you are my disciples by the love you have for each other. How desperately, friends, our world needs to see this kind of authentic, embodied, selfless love. Has not COVID driven us all into deeper isolation? And we need to show the world what real love 
real community looks like. That's what I'm praying for you on this Lord's Day. That with priority and passion, personally and together, there would be this pursuit of this greater experience of God's presence and power through sharing Christ's sacrificial love with one another. Third, it looks like being committed to God's voice above all others. It looks like being committed to the sacrificial love of community, of Christ in community. It looks like being committed to a passionate worship of God's greatness and goodness. Notice again, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then it goes on to say there was awe that came upon every soul. God was doing things that only God could. And then it goes on to say in verse uh, 46, notice there, and day by day they were in the temple courts and in their homes worshiping together. Verse 47 says praising God, continually praising God together in joy. There's no going through the motions of worship with this group. They weren't playing Christianity. This was 24-7 relationship with God. Whether meeting formally in the temple or informally in their homes, there was no feigning of religion here. Their approach to God was real. It was deep. It was joyful. They engaged together in this worshipful dialogue with God constantly. They They heard from God from his word, and they responded to God. Their life of worship really flowed from the work of God within them. Have you ever noticed that when you really see or experience something good, that you spontaneously respond? If you have a good meal, what do you want to do? You want to thank the person who cooked it. You want to share it. Man, I was over at so-and-so's place. It was an awesome meal. You can talk about a vacation. You can talk about a good book. You read a great book that's impacted your life. What do you want to do? You want to share it. You want to tell someone else, you need to get this book and you need to read it because it really touched and shaped my life. A good church, a good sermon, whatever it might be. When you really experience something and it impacts you, you respond. It's one of the evidences that you have actually truly experienced it. I was uh, having dinner with your leaders last night, and somehow I think I was talking about someone who recommended something up here, um, and the leaders said, oh yes, you need to go at some point when you're in Thunder Bay and have Persians. Persian? Persians? And I was like, Persians? What is that? And then, of course, we had a discussion, and it was explained to me, and it's one of the best things ever. I've never experienced it, but I've heard it's really good. So sometime when I'm here next, I'm going to try. I drove by as I was coming here to church. What's the one of those places? What's it called? Persian men, yes. And I thought, that's one of the places they named. It's not open, of course, but uh, I'll have to sometime come back to Thunder Bay. But obviously, this has been a good experience for people in Thunder Bay, and they shared that with others. Want others to have that experience. When you understand what God has done for you in His Son, Jesus Christ, in the cross, in the resurrection, in the sending of the Holy Spirit, there's this 
this need to respond joyfully and gratefully in worship and adoration. Do you see it? You, you must. Anybody who's met God and really encountered God responds in worship. And these people did. They did passionately. One of the key evidences the Bible says of the filling of the Holy Spirit in the lives of authentic Christians is this joyful adoration of God. In fact, Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit is this need to express in gratitude, worship, and adoration to God. This is another true story um, a number of years ago, a woman in Kansas City walked into an ice cream shop, and while she was waiting for her ice cream, she turned to find an actor there by the name of Paul Newman. Now, for you younger folks, you go, Paul Newman, who's that? Well, it'd be like Brad Pitt or Chris Hemingworth or something like that. And uh, Paul Newman, to this lady, was everything, and standing behind her, and he was in town filming this movie, and he smiled at her, and he said to her, hello. And she took one look at his legendary blue eyes, and her knees almost buckled. She tried to speak, but not a sound came out of her mouth. She paid for her ice cream, and then she quickly walked out of the store, somewhat embarrassed. And as she calmed down, she realized she didn't have her ice cream cone with her. So she was debating whether she, you know, should walk back in to get it. And then all of a sudden, Paul Newman walked out of the store and said, are you looking for your ice cream cone? He asked. Speechless again, she nodded. He said, you put it in your purse with your change. You know, isn't it a fascinating thing how human beings react to the rich and famous? Kind of sad, actually, because they're just made of dust people. There's really nothing to them. Yes, they've got some fame, but they're just human beings like all of us, with all the insecurities, with all the inadequacies, and good things and not so good things. What I find fascinating is we, we will do that kind of thing, and yet we can come into the presence of Almighty God through His Word or in worship together and just do so hum. Oh, yeah, we've done that many times. Okay, we're here. When's the last time I couldn't speech and speak in worship, right? I was just speechless. Because I'm in the presence of the Almighty God of the universe. He allows me to come confidently into his very throne room because of his son. Jesus Christ, opening up a way. I don't have to come with shame. I don't have to come with the wrath of God upon me. I can come with confidence, calling him my father, knowing him his child. Why? Because Jesus has died for me and rose again to have victory over sin and death, and I can come confidently. When's the last time I was awestruck by that truth? Captured by this 
deep, profound love. On this Sunday, may God give you Fort William Church family passion and priority personally together to pursue this greater experience of his presence and power through responding to him in grateful worship. Seeing him and responding to him. Finally, the evidence of God's presence and power looks like being committed to reaching out to the world in witness. Notice what it says at the end of verse 47. I paused there and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were committed to reaching out to their world and witness. Jesus, you remember in chapter 1 of Acts, had commanded his followers to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the entire world. And this was happening. They didn't go promoting their own agendas. They didn't go promoting their own causes, their own labels, their own preferences. They weren't lobbying for a denominational loyalty or a political agenda. All views COVID. Are you for the vaccine? Are you for the protocols? What are you for? They weren't performing and pushing forward certain church polities or structures or any of that kind of stuff. It was all about Jesus. Pointing there. There is the only thing worthy of worship. And he is your way to know God and to have a forever relationship with him, to be forgiven more than that, to be remade into the image of his son and to be really prepped for eternity, for heaven, and to have a life that you could never, ever otherwise have. And they were pointing away from themselves to Jesus. You see it? And their job wasn't to create the harvest. God would take care of that. They were to faithfully plant the seeds and water the seeds and cultivate, and they get to be involved in the harvest. But the evidence that God's Spirit was in their midst was that every day people could see and hear the living Christ through their lives. By the power of God's Spirit, they responded and embraced Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the Lord was adding to their number. We're involved. We get to be involved. But but please know, if you choose not to be involved, God will... He'll raise up some other instrument, some other tool to accomplish his purposes for his kingdom. He wants you to be involved in the joy of his mission. But if you don't choose not to and you withdraw from that, he'll pick someone else to get it on the joy. We get to be his channels and instruments. It must be about him in and through us. And so on this Lord's Day, I pray that God would give you all this renewed passion and priority personally and together to pursue a greater experience of his presence and power through sharing Christ with your community and world. So here's the key ingredient and marks uh, of a thriving, healthy church. For when God's presence and power manifests itself in a church, God's people are, one, committed to knowing and living out the word of God. Two, to this authentic Christ-like love and community. Three, to this passionate worship of God and this intentional witness to and for the living Christ. And here's the thing. The early church 
had none of the secrets of success that seem so important to the Western culture today. Yet they turn the world upside down. Why is that? Because they were distributors of God's presence and power. They weren't the manufacturers. They were seeing it, receiving it, and sharing it. They were giving it. That's the essence of the gospel of grace. We get to see all of God's resources in His Son. We get to partake of it, and then we get to give it away and share it. We get to distribute all the, the riches that are ours in Jesus Christ. This is beautiful. They own no property. They own no buildings. They had no influence or power in government. They had little in terms of wealth. They were ordinary people without special, special education. Few people of social influence. They didn't have mass media, modern technology. They didn't, can you believe it? They didn't even have live streaming <laughs> or Zoom. They didn't even really, to be honest, folks, if you read your New Testament carefully, have a clearly spelled out strategic plan. <laughs> And yet their ministry spread throughout the known world in a deep and transforming way. How? Why? Because of the presence and the power of the living God through His Spirit. They drank deeply of the living Christ and shared Him with others. The early church understood that it was not about them working for God, but God working for them, first in them and then through them. So that's my prayer for this church family. God would do a great, deep work in you and then through you to his glory and to as many, the good as, as many as possible. Let's pray. Father, thank you that it's not by might nor by our power, but by your spirit, you say, Lord Almighty. I thank you for this church family. Thank you for the privilege of being here. Thank you that they're part of our Feb Central church family. And I pray your richest blessing upon them. I pray that these things with priority and passion might mark them in deeper ways. Your word, your love, the worship of you, and your mission of being witnesses to Jesus Christ. Do a great work here, first in them and then through them. I pray in Jesus' precious name.